Imagine having your own country. You own everything on this piece of land that you claim to be your own. That sounds absurd in today's world, right? I mean, there's no place on Earth that isn't discovered. We have countless satellites orbiting the Earth. We have GPS. We have the internet. I mean, there shouldn't be any place that isn't discovered yet, unless a volcano erupts and creates a new island. Anyways, some people still want a country of their own. So what do they do? Do they break off and, I don't know, claim the land that their house sits on to be their own country? That's probably illegal, but there is one way to declare land to be your own. You can start a micronation. Welcome to another episode of Jerry Talks. This is the first episode of a brand new series, the Micronations series. Today, we're going to be talking about the Principality of Sealand, the most well-known micronation. Let's get started. Now, before we get into Sealand, let's go over what micronations are. Micronations are small, self-proclaimed states that claim to be independent, sovereign states but they are not acknowledged as such by any recognized sovereign state or by any supranational organizations. They're not the same as microstates, which are small independent states that are recognized. Micronations are self-declared states that wish to become countries. Micronations are groups of people who declare themselves countries. These micronations are actually quite similar to an established sovereign state. They can form their own governments, cultures, holidays, laws, official symbols, and citizens. They even have formal instruments such as postage stamps, coins, banknotes, and passports. The Micronation is not really a true secessionist movement because, come on, they're too small and too trivial to be a real threat to established nations. Okay, now let's start talking about Sealand. During World War II, the Royal Navy built a series of forts off the coast of England in the North Sea to defend against the Germans. One of the forts was HMS Rough Tower, which was a wide deck about the size of two tennis courts on two concrete towers 60 feet above the ocean. At the time, it housed over a hundred British seamen and had anti-aircraft guns. After the war, these towers became obsolete and were abandoned and radio DJs began to populate them to host pirate radio stations. A guy named Paddy Royal Bates, a former British Army Major, started Radio Essex. He first started this radio station on Knock John, another disused naval fort near HMS Fort Ruffs. In 1966, he moved to Fort Ruffs because it's further out into the sea. Bates stocked it with tins of corned beef, rice pudding, flour, and scotch and lived on it not returning to land sometimes for several months at a time. So he was living an isolated but kind of fun and chill life. But the British government was pretty unhappy about it, so they rolled out the Marine Broadcasting Offense Act of 1967 that would shut down these radio stations. So pretty much, the British authorities were like, Hey, Bates, you can't do that. Abandon it now. And Bates was like, Make me. You can't. So, on September 2nd, 1967, Bates declared independence of the Principality of Sealand, and shortly after, his entire family moved in. But no one really cared about it because it was just a small tower in the middle of the sea. But one time, his son Michael fired a pistol at workers 
servicing a buoy nearby. Michael said they were warning shots to remind these workers of Sealand's territorial sovereignty. No one was hurt in the incident, but the British government wanted to take over the platform by force. They failed. The Bates family scared the British ships off by firing rifles in their direction, tossing gasoline bombs, dropping cinder blocks onto their boats, and pushing their ladders into the sea. At its peak in the early 1970s, Sealand had 50 people living on the platform, including extended family and friends and maintenance personnel. Though no country formally recognized Sealand, its sovereignty had been hard to deny. What's funny is that, as absurd as Sealand seemed, the British took it seriously. Declassified documents from the 1960s show the British feared that Sealand would become another Cuba, except this time on England's doorstep. There were even plans to bomb the tower, but they were ultimately rejected. Sealand makes for a pretty interesting case study. They have their own government and government website, their laws, passport, post office, and currency. However, what's interesting is that they pay for their operational costs with the revenue from their online store on their website. They sell t-shirts, stamps, and royal titles. You can become a lord, lady, baron, or baroness for a cost of only 30 pounds. Unfortunately, if you want to visit Sealand, you probably can't. The usual customs and immigration norms don't apply. There's no visa or anything. You can only visit with an official invitation from the prince, who only visits two to three times a year. Even if you do get invited, right now, no one is living on Sealand. Alright, that's just about it for this episode of Jerry Talks. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned for more.